All right, everybody, welcome back to the Millennial Sales Podcast. This is your host, Tommy Tahoe Lemo. This is episode 217. Um, happy Wednesday morning. Let's get it cracking. Uh, before we get into today's great guest, I want to give a shout out to the two sponsors of our show. First one is Gong.io. Uh, I love Gong so much that I went to work there. Uh, that's where I'm working right now as an AE. Uh, in short, uh, it, it's irresponsible to be a revenue leader and not have Gong. It is the revenue intelligence platform. Uh, it is the best invention for salespeople since Salesforce. Um, it helps you to you know, coach your reps better. It helps you to drive more deals, helps you to understand your market. Um, it's, uh, it can be as little as call recording and it can be as great as, um, you know, the thing that's driving your entire sales team forward. So, uh, give Gong a look, gong.io, or just message me on LinkedIn and I'm happy to connect you to the right person if you're interested in checking them out. The other sponsor to the podcast is postal.io. Uh, postal, uh, helps you to, you know, create better relationships with your customers, right? So, uh, in a world where everyone's trying to scale and automate things, sending gifts to customers and partners and prospects, uh, Postal does it in a very unique way. They can give you access to you know, the brewery across town or uh, flowers from the florist that, that are on the corner of where you live and really try to create these very special experiences, these personalized experiences for your customers. Uh, so they're doing something that's really cool. Anyone that goes to Apple, and uh, takes the 40 seconds to review the show, five stars. Uh, and then you just message me on LinkedIn. Let me know that you, you sent the review. I will give you a free uh, Starbucks card uh, on Postal. So it's pretty win-win effort here. Win-win-win, really. You know, it takes you a minute, uh, helps me out, uh, and helps them out to give them exposure. And then you uh, ultimately win by getting some, uh, you know, free coffee or a tea or a scone or whatever you're into. So uh, do me a favor, support our ho- uh, support our sponsors gong and postal that's how you can help me out um all right let's pivot into today's episode Uh, i've got a conversation with christopher williams christopher is the founder of sales huddle Uh, sales huddle is a peer-to-peer virtual mastermind group uh, for top uh, salespeople that get regular actionable advice and feedback on specific sales challenges that they're facing so it's you know peer-to-peer group you know, five people all in a room talking about very intimate things, uh, probably not talking about open rates and, um, you know, uh, what the best opening line is for a cold call, but but they get a lot deeper than that into the psychology, into the emotional side, um, and, and all the different things that go on in a salesperson's life outside of just those metrics. So um, I'm really interested in what Chris is doing for the sales community. He talks all about the journey and, and what he's into now. Uh, in this episode. So I won't, you know, uh, <laughs> reveal any of the secrets. Let's instead just get straight into my episode with Christopher Williams. Let's go. All right, Chris Williams. Good morning, man. Welcome to Millennial Sales. Hey, Tom. Good morning. How we doing out in, uh, you're in New York, yeah? Yeah, I'm in Kingston, New York. Where is that upstate? I've never heard of Kingston before. Kingston is two hours north of New York City on the Hudson. Okay, nice. So probably some good nature out there or what? Yeah, we're at the foothills of the Catskills. So on the southeast corner, Kingston's a, I would call it a rural city. You know, there's 30,000 people. 
Yeah. So there's, but it's, it's not anything close to New York or San Francisco. Yeah. Well, uh, I saw that you grew up in Maine. I'm, I'm a Massachusetts guy myself, born and raised. So, um, and a Babson guy too. Or I'm not. Went to Babson. No, 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 no. I, I didn't, but I tried to go. They, I didn't get in, but I just saw you were, we both went to New England schools. Beautiful. Where'd you go? I went to Stonehill College, mm-hmm. which is a small school in Mass. Yep. Yeah, I know it. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd love to hear how the, the main upbringing, uh, it, it sounds like just from reading your, your LinkedIn bio that, that that had an effect on you in just in terms of like, I think you called it, what was it? Like ambitious hippies or uh, disciplined uh, hippies or, or something like that, that, that kind of caught my eye of, of just like the way you grew up mm. and, and the people that you were around growing up. Yeah, I mean, Maine is a very salt of the earth state. Um, Some of the smartest and most capable people I know are from Maine, people that can build houses, fix tractors, code apps. Um, Maine is a very industrious place. So I I grew up around people that were always learning. uh, and, And Maine is a very everyone in Maine is kind of hustling, has many, is making money in in many ways. Um, And yeah, I think, I think a lot of it is also because Maine is pretty isolated and it's rural. It's, it's not very monetarily, it's not very wealthy. You know, like I would drive to Massachusetts to visit my Nana when I was growing up and all of a sudden it was like, all the lawns were mowed and all the cars were really new. And I was like, wow, this, I'm used to seeing like beat up Honda Civics on the roads. Yeah. And so I've, I've been working and I grew up poor and I've been working since I was 12 years old. Uh, and, and yeah, the hippie part was a lot of my best friends, parents were, were self-described hippies. And there was a feeling when I was growing up that sales was evil and manipulative and lying uh, by, by design, like, by, like there wasn't a way to not do it in that manner. Um, and so that's when I was growing up, I was very into, you know, saving the world and how I understood it at that time, which for me meant a lot of renewable energy mm-hmm. and it still does. And, and I loved business. And I also had this thing that, that sales was evil, that sales was coercive, that sales was, lying that sales was manipulative why is that do you think it's it's not based on any objective data now when i look at sales i think that the whole perspective of that it's manipulative is actually it's if we were to define manipulative as lying or withholding the truth, that's probably the best, that's probably the, the, the single scenario where it is manipulative. And I've heard of that happening in organizations where like there's a bunch of salespeople and the managers just like literally might not tell them the truth. Yeah. In which case they are not consciously lying to their customers, but it's happening indirectly. But when people, when people bring it up like, oh, is it manipulative? If it's, a, if it's a consumer, I'll say, well, name me the last five things that you purchased and they'll name it. I say, great, and which one were you manipulated into buying? And they're like, no, oh, none of them. I was like, great, so 
what I hear you saying is you are perfect and everybody out there is the sucker that's getting manipulated. And they're like, oh no. And I was like, well, my, my position is that every person kind of knows what's best for them and is a very capable human being. So the interesting thing, and this is, this is even more true with B2B sales when people are like, oh, it's, it's like, really? You think a company's spending a quarter million dollars on a contract a year and they can't make a, a decision for themselves? That's what yeah, would, yeah. like, like, right? So there's this embedded judgment within sales as manipulative of either or both of one of two things. One, the salesperson has this superhuman ability to distort the truth. The, the, the buyer is like incapable, incompetent, can't make good decisions for themselves or both. When I actually think the opposite is true, I think they're both equal and very competent and the, the room for manipulation is actually not really there. Again, it can happen from, from withholding the truth, but that will get found out pretty easily. Yeah, I, I guess it would be, I think a different word would probably be persuasion, right? Like if you, if you talk about something that you might purchase, right? You might purchase a box of cereal that, uh, you know, you buy it because of the, the animal that's on the box and the brightly colored packaging. But if you wanted to, you could look on the other side of the box and see the ingredients and say, I might not want all of that, you know, what color, you know, green 72 or whatever's in the Fruit Loops. Uh, similarly, like you could, uh, you know, in order to buy B2B, I think intelligently, like you have to do your own homework. And that's why there's sites like G2 that exist. That's why there's analyst reports. It's why there's peer to peer networks that you can ask folks, hey, are, you know, has anyone bought XYZ before? What's your experience like? Things like that. So I think. There's things that salespeople do to persuade that's part of the job, um, but to do so in a moral fashion, right? I feel like there's that, that fine line of, am I doing this to help them or am I doing this to, uh, you know, despite them? You know, like, am, am I doing this because it's my, in my best interest, but it's not in their best interest? Bingo. And I, and I think that's, that's the key distinction is is this information used to serve another person or to serve myself? Because sales ultimately is a place of people buy things from people that they trust more than themselves. That right there could, it can categorize all of sales. So when the question is asked, will AI take over salespeople? The answer is yes, in as much as a person will trust a computer more than themselves or another person. That will happen. And if in the cases where that is true, that will happen. In the cases where that's not true, it won't happen. It also answers the question, well, why do I not need a salesperson to buy a toothbrush? Well, I trust myself fully to make that decision for myself. Thus, I do not need the assistance of another person. Yep. So then the question becomes, well, how can, how and when and why will one person trust another person more than themselves to get to the place that they want to go? And that's a function of competence and a function of trust. Mm -hmm. And so then the question becomes, well, why is it hard for a 23-year-old to cold call a CEO that's 45? Under what situations is that hard and under what situations is that easy? And the question is, is, in which categories might that, might that competence be obvious to the 45-year-old or not? 
right? So there's a set of skills. The classic would be social media. A 23-year-old is literally better at the 45-year-old person. Yeah. And the 40 and the 45-year-old person is aware of this difference. And the 45-year-old person wants to be good in that area. And that that would explain the competence. And then there's trust there, right? The person who is doing the selling is honest, has integrity, is trustworthy. You know, and so I think that that's the, yeah, like those are the, I'm trying to tie this back to what we were talking about, like the difference between manipulating and persuasion, but, but those are the elements that I see are the most important is that it's built yeah. around, it's built around competence and it's built around trust. And, and that point is like, can be missed. And I want to tie this back to your original question. Why? why was there this this judgment around sales as being evil and manipulative and i think it was because those folks had um yeah they they probably they probably never had an experience with 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 a buying situation <laughs> it's kind of those that thing of like when they were probably sold to really well they didn't consider it to be sales yeah, they might not have been aware that that was what was actually happening, but when it didn't go really well, or when it felt like they were lied to, or when they were felt like they were promised one thing and another thing happened, they were like, "Oh, that's sales. See, that's that's kind of bad." So it's kind of one of those things of like the squeaky the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yeah. So that's that's how I tie it back to your original question, and I feel like you're going to ask something around the competence and the trust part. Well, a, a point that I, I wanted to make, because you, you mentioned the 23-year-old cold calling the 45-year-old, um, like, I think in order, like, I, I agree with you, I think in order for that to work, that 23-year-old need, and I've been that 23-year-old calling 45-year-olds, and I'm currently the 27-year-old calling the 45-year-olds, right? So there's not a huge difference there in terms of the age gap, but in order to make that successful, you have to show competence and another way to do that it doesn't have to be that you have a skill that they don't have but if you can shed light on something that they don't know about right mm -hmm. so where i'm going with that is like you have to be really educated in what you're selling and in that market right like if you're just calling and you have a script uh and your boss tells you to say these things that will get you some meetings that will generate a few conversations but until you truly get it Whatever it is, if you get why that com that company might get hacked, if you're selling security solutions, why you need to, you know, in my case, shed the light on revenue intelligence with Gong, why you need to talk about sales community with with sales huddle, like until you can shed light on what that issue might be for that person and help educate them on that, I, I don't think that you have any sort of leverage with that person. I don't think you have any sort of trust built until you can help educate them on something. Yeah, hundred percent. And, and there can be a one-step sales process where the person actively knows they have a problem and they're looking for something. Those are always easier. And then there's a two-step sales process where they're not aware of the situation and that has situation has to be found. They need to be made aware of it and believe it exists. And then they need to select whoever the salesperson is as the right vendor, right? So a, a, a two-step sales process is always harder than a one-step sales process where they're aware of the issue, they're actively searching for it, Yeah. right? And I think that going back to this thing of competency and trust, I think that this is also where, where I notice 
the hard the hard part of establishing those things around honesty with oneself is that it's I found it in my life to be really useful of really being clear with myself around where I don't have confidence where I'm not trustworthy right like also fundamentally at the end of the day when someone makes a sale particularly a b2b sale it's important to realize what's happening here like they're putting their neck on the line to trust another initially another salesperson but there's also kind of their trusting like the organization behind it they're putting their neck and their job on the line to make that happen like that's the level of trust that we're talking so sometimes when a sale is not going through i might be talking to someone i might say are you a trustworthy person and then maybe like what what do you mean what are you saying and i'm like i'm saying just what I'm saying. Are you a trustworthy person? And they're like, well, I don't know. And my response is, I hear you. My advice to you would be to figure that out. How would you know? How would you know? And start to address those things. How would you know? Tom, how would you know? <laughs> I would ask other people. Because I don't think it's my decision to, to say if I'm trustworthy, right? Mm. I, I trust myself. So I guess that, you know, there could be two lenses on that, you know, whether you trust yourself. But the question is whether someone else can trust you and does trust you. So you go to other people, probably it's more comfortable to start with people that you're close to, but you could probably expand that to other customers, people you work with, uh, people in your network, um, things like that. Yeah. I, I love your answer and I, I agree. I mean, I can have a bunch of characteristics and I'll, I'll, I'll name like how I think about it. And at the end of the day, completely trust is something that's it's based on someone else's experience of me, not my own belief about myself. But for me, what, what, is a tr what I do when I'm trustworthy is I listen really well. So I would go to other people and I say, when, I, when you talk to me, do you feel heard, right? Uh, I say what I mean and I mean what I say. Those things are in alignment, right? I'm like, I, I only say things that I believe in and I, and I do what I say I'm going to do. Do I have integrity? Do I do what I say I'm going to do? And I'm not perfect in this, at this point in my life too, but I'm 99% there, right? Um, do I take responsibility and accountability for the things that I do and the impacts that that has on people intended or unintended? Um, when, when here's, I think a useful one, even within sales organizations, um, do I support other people in what they think is true? So the number one, and, and here's typically how I notice that. When someone says something, does someone feel uh, supported and accepted to say something to me that they know or think that I disagree with? Because mm. if they don't, they won't say it because they're, they're worried of kind of repercussions. So that, that, I've seen that play out in both how I might deal with a customer and a customer doesn't feel okay saying something that they think I disagree with. And I see it happen within sales organizations. So, here, so here's how I notice it within a sales organization. Go to a bunch of salespeople and say, hey, do you think your boss will not, ex not accept, the best would be reward you for sharing something that you would like to do or something that you think is you, that you know they disagree with. That's listening. That's support. Now, because they listen to it doesn't mean they have to do it. 
doesn't mean they have to agree, doesn't mean they have to do, but at least there's a, a level of listening that the truth can come out. Hmm. And in situations where said managers, the, the people around them, below them, do not feel supported in saying things where there's disagreement, you know what happens? Honesty stifles. And then when honesty stifles, like production and all these things, like the truth can't, the truth can't come out. Um, so I think that's the hard part of, of like in my journey and as I work with other people, it's the hard part of answering the question, like, am I trustworthy? Is a lot of those has to do with like understanding when I'm not trustworthy and being really honest about when am I out of integrity? When am I withholding the truth? When am I telling an outright lie? When am I saying something that I don't believe in? Because then if I can know what that feels like and I can know when I'm doing that and be honest with myself and I can stop doing those things, then all of a sudden I start to know that I'm being honest because I know that I'm not being dishonest. I know that I'm integrity because I'm not out of integrity, right? It becomes this opposite circumstance. And I was on a sales huddle right before this call where I was with a person who was changing jobs and they're in a sales huddle and they're, they're withholding the truth from existing customers. And they're like, what should I do about it? I should do that. And I was like, tell the truth. Why are you withholding? They're going to find out about it again, eventually. Right. And I get it, man. I've, I've withheld the truth before I've, I've ruined relationships with business partners and customers before, like a hundred percent. And I think that's, that's, that can be a hard thing where at the upper echelon of sales, it becomes less about the specific tactics and the specific strategies, why those things are important. It's more of like, am I a trustworthy person? Am I, am I acting from a place of true competence where I'm calling somebody up and I, oh, here's the other thing with competence. I know where I'm competent in an area because I know where I'm incompetent in an area. And I'm honest with myself and others about, I can help you in this area and I can't help you in this area. It's not like I don't tell everybody, I don't tell everyone that I can help them because I want to help everybody and get paid. It's like, nope, these areas I'm not competent in. That's not my lane. This is my lane. You're, you're this person with this problem. I can help you. And that confidence will shine through to another person. It's in fact yeah. impossible for it to not come through. So you, you, you strike me as a very mindful dude. Uh, and the, someone that does a lot of self-reflecting, right? The, this this knowledge of self that you're talking about doesn't come just like while you're walking the dog, you know, in the morning and just like, it, it doesn't just come to you. Like from my experience and from people I've talked to, it comes from a lot of, you know, uh, deep discovery work with yourself. So I'd love, if, if that's true for you, I'd love to hear you talk about what that process has been like, if there's uh, books that have helped shape that, if there's exercises you do mentally for that, like, I'd love to hear about that. Yeah. Um, things, things shifted in my life around like two years ago where two things happened simultaneously. A business I had started with business partners just blew up. Uh, and had my heart broken in a relationship. And I just, I reached this point where it was like, I can't do this by myself anymore. Like I'm doing the same thing over and over again. And I don't, it's not getting me what I want. And I know there's a solution out there, but I don't know what it is. Like I had to ask for help. 
Um, so for me, that was kind of the thing that, that shifted it. And it, it was, it's, it's more about, um, experiential learning and doing things in connection with other people. And it, it wasn't about knowing the answer, right? So there's a difference between knowing something and, and being something and acting from that place. Uh, like I'll give you an example. We could just say listening. There's so many books and things written about listening and all those things are great. But does that mean that because someone knows it in their head that they know with a feeling of what it feels like to listen to somebody fully as if they're an empty vessel when listening and the other person feels absolutely heard and understood? That, that, that comes from a place of doing and experiencing that, not knowing it, not knowing how to do it or knowing that it should be done. That, that comes from a place of, of, of being that way, of listening in that way. So, so that's what, that's what kind of shifted for me on a personal level. And then I just started to notice that all those things affected sales where like all of these things are, are related, have nothing to do with sales and completely impact sales. Like listening has nothing inherently to do with sales. It has to do with being a human and any effect on improved listening will affect a person who sells at the same time. So, so yeah, for me, it was, it was like a personal thing of like having my like heartbroken, like being in a bunch of pain, having a business partnership that just went to, to crap because, um, Cause I, and, and really looking out and asking other people, like, here's what I am. Here's what I want to be. I don't know. I don't know what to do. And just following that and having people help me. Um, that was, that was kind of a, a big, a big thing that shifted things. And I would say, Yeah, the other thing that's, there's a book on this and I haven't read it. I think it's by Daniel Pink of like, to sell is to be human. Mm-hmm. I've not read it, but I, I, even the title by itself just tells it to me. Cause to me, sales is such a human, a human pursuit. Like it's such a, that anything that affects how I am will show up in how I sell. I can't really separate those those two things yeah and yeah and so once once that started once that started to click for me um and i started to see how these shifts in my life was affecting how i was interacting with people in a business context that's when i started to connect them and and how again like very simple things would affect sales and i'll give you i'll give you examples of simple things is salespeople asking for what they want I, you know, hey, Joe, we've been talking for half an hour. I understand these things about you. I think it'd be a great fit. I think I can help you out. I'd like you to buy this. Would you? Like I've listened to a lot of sales calls where the sale doesn't happen because the salesperson doesn't say what they want. Now yeah, here's they kind the, of skid around it. They kind of skid around it. Now here's the bit. That is showing up in the rest of their life. 
it, it's not as if they're just interacting in the sales way. I guarantee you, and I, I'm saying this from personal experience, and then I talk with a lot of people very candidly in sales huddle. It's, it's not as if they're dealing with their friends and their partners and their parents in a more direct way in the rest of their life. And then when they put on their sales hat, they can't say what they want. So, yeah, so that's kind of just where I see the overlap. And, and it, it comes down to, I think, a lot of really a little, little simple things like listening, saying no, being on, like being forthright and saying what a salesperson wants when they're booking a meeting, at the start of the meeting, at the end of the meeting. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah like just, just it's those so things. true. I, 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 well, your example is something that I've definitely struggled with because I'm a people pleaser, right? I don't want to let people down, uh, whether it's a prospect, whether it's a coworker, whether it's, you know, a family member, a friend, like, you know, I, I don't want to be disliked and I don't want to, you know, let people down in, in any way. Right. So sometimes that hinders you from saying, you know, from making the bold request from speak, you know, for asking for what you want or speaking what's truly on your mind. Oh, I'll let this one pass. Oh, you know, it didn't feel good to push on that call. You know, I'll go on the next one, you know? And so that's something that I've worked on. Yeah. Um, and it's so true. I mean, like the, the, the way that you are is, is definitely the way that you sell. And I think that's one example. And there's, there's a million others. Um, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about more about, You've referenced the sales huddle a few times. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit and expound on on what you're building there and what what that community is. Yeah, sure. The sales huddle is is uh, it's it's a really simple it's a really simple thing. And what I I fell into doing sales huddle by by listening by listening to to salespeople and, and making a space that I wish that I had. So what sales to me is, is something that is, it can be lonely. You know, we get a lot of no's. Um, it's, it's something that's individual, but also, but also is best done as a team sport, right? There's something about the camaraderie of, of sales, which is like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Um, how would I say this? Like, what have you learned? And what I think that sales huddle is tapping into is that a lot of salespeople don't have a lot of support out there, like a place to go where the truth can come out, like the real truth. And people can ask questions, sometimes difficult questions that can get to the real truth, because once that root situation is, is identified, the answer oftentimes becomes kind of obvious. And how I fell into sales huddle was, was um, I've been in sales for 14 years and for a, a lot number of years, like people would just come to me that would want help solving sales problems. Revenue problems is actually what they want to help is because sometimes it was a product issue. It had nothing to do with sales, right? They literally didn't, they had the wrong product for the wrong audience. That's yeah. like a nuance that, that you appreciate and people on this podcast will appreciate, but is, is missed by others. And so I started working with people one-on-one and I don't see myself as a coach. I don't see myself as a consultant, um, but I started doing it because I was resisting it for a long time. And, and what I realized once, once, and the goal of sales huddle was initially going to kind of feed that, right? Like, oh, like, let's do this free thing. And then, um, then I can work with people one-on-one. -on -one. 
and what finally hit me when people were coming to sales home, they kept on coming back is, is that what people really needed was like a place where they could be honest, a place where they could feel camaraderie and to get an outside perspective, just to get a second set of eyes. Like, what do you think? And what finally hit me was that people were paying me, not because I'm a great coach or a great consultant, because I'm not, I would call myself a competent salesperson. I would call myself a competent coach right? I listen well and I ask simple questions and people come to their own conclusions is kind of how I do things. And, and what, what I realized was happening with the sales huddle was someone shows up to a huddle, there's four other people that each has 15 years of experience, let's say, and there's 60 years of experience trying to help someone with a solution um, that's exactly the situation that they're dealing with, right? So it's a lot of experience and a lot of perspective and a hundred percent presence. And that was kind of the thing that, that, that finally hit me where, which was happening. And then I, when I actually tried to understand why it was being so useful, that's kind of the thing that I finally noticed of, uh, of what was happening. And so that's what it is. It's a place for salespeople to come get together um, where they can be really honest. Everyone's showing up because they want to. There's no, um, no one's boss is making them do it. There's no company politics. There's no bosses. The feedback is coming from a truly honest place to like help each other get better at our craft. Because I think that that's the other thing with sales is sales is something that it's a practice. It's impossible to be perfect at it. Yep. Every sales call I still make is not perfect. Like I look back and I'm like, man, I missed that. And what if I said this? And like, you know, it just requires like a consistent a consistent grind and yeah, it's just really special. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a level of candor that can happen in sales huddle that, that is really cool. And everyone's, what everyone's showing up and wanting to get better. And I could, I could go on examples for days. Like I'll give you one example that that's an interesting one. Someone, someone came into a huddle and they were talking about email cadence, this and that. And I'm listening to them. And I just had this little spidey sense. It's like, I don't, I don't think they believe anything that they're saying. I don't know where this came from, but this is a thought. So they get done with their work statement, which is what they're asking for help with. And I raise my hand and they call up and they say, Chris, and he says, do you believe what you're saying? And they said, what do you mean? I said, do you believe it? And they said, I don't know. And I said, okay. And they say, well, what's your advice for that? I said, don't say anything you don't believe. Silence in the sales holders for other people. And they say, well, how would I do that? I said, stop saying any, like start from a blank sheet of paper, say nothing that you don't believe. And they were like, huh. And they're like, so like where, you know, I was like, you don't believe something, you don't know if something's true within your company, go find the answer. Write it down, ask yourself, do you believe this? Powerful. And that, and that was the bit. And it was like, oh, like it doesn't have anything to do with the email cadence. <laughs> You're saying things that you don't believe in and other people's bullshit meter is going off. Now the yeah. other people might not even know why their bullshit meter is going off. This is where the crazy thing happens, but they know we, you, you've probably had experiences where you just listen to someone and you're like, I don't trust that person. Yeah. That's what that but, is. 
But I've also been the person that has, I have sold things on the spectrum of, I believe this is, you know, the best thing since sliced bread versus, you know, this is, you know, stale, crusty bread, like and all in the middle. And like the more success, the more fulfillment, the more money, the better time always comes on the end where you truly believe that what you're selling is the best thing for that person. Yes. And you see the value and you believe it and you believe like, you know, the slide that says we're the best because every company has that, that we're the best slide in one way or another. And uh, you got to believe those things or you don't say that, or you have to believe the way that you're pitching or you don't say it, you know, uh, you have to believe that this is worth 10,000, a thousand, $500,000, or, you know, other people are going to see right through that. And so um, I, I completely yeah. uh, agree with you. And it's like from that place of belief then comes, well, what's the, how do I, how do I communicate from a place of, of, of that truth, whatever that truth is, right? Sometimes like I work with people that work in e-commerce agencies and the reality is, is they all sound the same. We're the best at these ads and these ads. So this person's pitch changed to, I do e-commerce. We all sound the same. I know you're already, you know, and there's nothing I can say that, you know, will get you to believe that we're super unique and not because we're not. There's nothing unique about this. So here's where we focus. We focus on blank, blank, and blank. And here's how you know that we were, we were delivering those values. And so I, I'm speaking as this person now, I want to work with people where they find those values to be really important. Are those important to you? Right? And then all of a sudden, this whole thing, everyone's so nervous around differentiating and being unique and different. But then when the truth is revealed, like we all say that and it all sounds the same. And actually this is our lane. Like we focus in this industry and we have support that means this, like we respond within this and we do this and we're looking at people that really value those things. Then all of a sudden the belief goes through the roof. The truth goes through the roof. Their clients are like, wow, finally someone who's addressing the elephant in the room that everyone sounds the same within this sector. And what I see is all that's happening is, is that they're becoming really clear on what they believe and they're becoming really clear on what's true out there. And they're naming that, they're naming that truth. They're, they're saying it up front. Um, yeah. And I think that that's a, that's a really, that's a really powerful, that's a really powerful thing. And it's, and, and it's hard. Like that's the, that's, you were asking a little bit about sales huddle. I mean, like that's, I think the thing that's really fun and interesting about sales. So is it's like hard to get to the, it's hard to hear the truth sometimes. I don't think it was easy for that person to hear, to come to the realization, their own felt experience of that realization that they were saying things they didn't believe. And it's also true. Yeah. So which world do we want to live in? Because I think that person's future is much more clear now that they're like, wow, this is what it feels like to say what's not being true. And this is how well it worked out for me. Huh. So how, how big are, are each of the huddles, right? Because I, I see a world where there's a, there's, a li- there's a number. I don't know what the number is, but there's a number where there's too many people in a room to have that conversation. Huddles, five people. Five. Five people. There are really specific, each one's an hour, starts on time, ends on time. Um, there are very specific group agreements. 
Um, for example, one is like discourse and disagreement without judgment. So people can disagree to their heart's content. And the second someone says like, that's stupid, I'll cut them off. And I'll be like, nope. Because stupid stupidity also doesn't objectively exist, right? right. We, can, we can say like, oh, I heard what Joe said and I wouldn't do that. Um, the other is like, there's no, there's, no, there's no teaching, there's no training, there's no offering of any unsolicited advice. Everything is happening because someone's showing up and they're asking for what they need help with. And that by itself will change the, the discourse of the situation. And that doesn't mean, just like when dealing with a customer, that doesn't mean that everyone's forthright or aware of what their core issue is. Sometimes they come with this and the issue is over here. And it's our job as a group of people to get to the bit. Like, what's the root issue here? Yeah. You know, a lot of situations like, oh, I need help closing this thing before the month of the quarter. And it's like, why? Oh, because my commission. So what? Customer doesn't care about your commission. Is you doing this helping them? No. Why are you doing it? Are you going to get a divorce if you don't get this? Is your boss going to fire you? Yes, my boss might fire me. Great. That's this. That's the root right there. It's not about yeah. closing this person before the end of the month, right? Like that, and and yeah. sometimes that 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 needs like a, a a fresh perspective, and sometimes I think the fact that folks are strangers within huddles but really want to help each other actually helps because there can be a directness of like I'm asking you this because I want to know, and there's no consequence on me. I almost feel like this should be called sales therapy. No, <laughs> <laughs> you know, people. I I've heard I've heard people use that and i used to be so resistant to it because i think that there's a i have this own judgment that like therapy is for people that don't know what they're doing to like figure it out and but i but because because sales is very much for like experienced salespeople that want to be their best but when we right, talk right. about being their best it's about much more than what does the email say like it's like we have to get into what the meat is of the situation um I would say this, I would say it's not therapy, but it, but it is, it is therapeutic. Yeah. Um, Cause there's something that happens. There's a release that I can feel in people sometimes when they, when they leave a huddle, they're like, wow, I feel like I can see clearly what's in front of me. Like I thought it was this email thing, but it was this, or I thought it was closing this, but it was actually, here's another example from last week. That closing one really happened. I thought it was this closing one, but what I really realized it was, was that I skipped a step in my sales process. I thought I had it in the bag. And then they told me they were comparing other people and I forgot to ask these two questions. I'm like, great, that makes sense that you're angry at yourself. I would be too. Lesson here, don't skip steps. Yeah. But don't try to take it out on this person of trying to bug them and get them to closer because you skip steps. That's not what's happening here. Yeah, I, I feel like this, the, the act of, you know, we, we do so many things as salespeople in a day and in a week and it's, you're prospecting, you're demoing, you're, you're following up, you're doing this, you're updating Salesforce. And, you know, there, there's not a lot of time built in to like take a step back and say, well, why is this happening? Why am I not hitting my number? Why is this deal stalling? Why is this person not responding to me? So on and so forth. And I just think having a forum, having a, a time to one, ask that question yourself and two, Ask it to someone else that is not in that mix with you, right, uh, is really helpful. Like it, it just, it helps you to, to uncover blind spots, right? And so I think 
sales huddle, uh, I mean, it seems like an amazing uh, approach for that. I think, you know, if, if you have some sort of like a, a coach, if you have friends, like just the, the act, I think of going through that is something that we don't do enough. And we spend so much time doing that you're almost like a worker bee that's just do, going, going, going. And that if you don't take the step back to reflect and, and try to understand why things are the way they are, it's not going to get better. It's not going to get fixed because you're just doing the same mistakes over and over. Yeah. And, and it's not sales huddle. It's not like sales huddle is the only place to do this. There's so many ways to, to get to this sort of thing. And I think you're hitting it on it really beautifully, which is we're doing all these things. And the question is the why underneath, like that's, that's, that's the most important thing of like the why underneath and what's, what's really, we can, we can say that whether there's a challenge or what sales actually is. Like sometimes I've been thinking, I've been prepping for this talk and it's literally going to be a, me, me asking a series of questions, just talking about it. Like what is sales? How do you know when you're selling well? How do you know when you're not selling well? Like that basic, because those, those things are at the foundation right? Like really understanding, like, here's how I know when I'm selling well, here's how I know when I'm not. How do I know when I'm not being uh, trustworthy? How do I know when I'm being clear and consistent? Um, what a great piece of advice I had once was know when you're a leader, know when you're a peer and know when you're a follower and do your job really well. If you're in a follow position, be the best, like being a student, be the best student. When you're, when you're in a lead position, when you're the coach, when you're the teacher, be the best and, and know the difference and play your role really well. And I see this, I see this essence of what's happening here, play out in sales. I'll give you an example. I was in a sales huddle. Someone comes in and they're like, man, this discovery call went all out of whack. And I said, oh, why? What happened? I said, well, we started it. And I asked the person what they wanted to do. And then, you know, it just went crazy from there. And I said, got it. So let me give you an analogy. You go to hike Mount Everest and you, you decide to pick it. You're trying to get to somewhere you can't get by yourself, right? That's a key thing that happens within sales. And you selected a person that you want to get you up Mount Everest, right? Someone that you trust more than yourself, right? Going back to that analogy. Let's say you show up on day one and the person says, great, great, Joe. What do you want to do today? How would you feel? And they said, I would feel incredibly like not sure, unsafe. Like I'm asking, I'm asking you to, to tell me what to do. That's why I hired you. That's why I'm talking with you. So, and I was like, great, that's, that's at level 10 because your life is at line, but that's what that customer feels with you right now. They feel like they're being dropped. You're not guiding them. You're not helping them. You're not using your competence to serve them. And they were like, wow, I never saw it that way before. I was like, great. Well, that's what's happening. Yeah. And it doesn't, I love it. it doesn't mean not, it doesn't mean not taking their input, right? If a guide is bringing people up Mount Everest, they, he knows where they need to go, but you know what he also knows is all the people that he's bringing up or they're bringing up and what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. And he's definitely considering all of them and everything that he does. And he's also the one that's setting like, here's where we're going. And sometimes that means a gentle, like we're not going over there. And sometimes, and I won't swear, but sometimes that means like, do not, <laughs> do not step over that fucking crack or you will die. <laughs> if you get within 10 feet of that, like you're not eating tomorrow. But why is he setting that line? 
we talked about this at the beginning of the interview. Why is he saying that line? Because he knows that if they step there, they will die. And so he's being firm to them to help them, not to make himself feel better that he has that power. Right. And that's, I think, a similar thing in sales is like when you're going to a customer, you're saying like, you need to do this by this date. The question is, is, is that coming from a place of that's the best thing for the customer or I feel slighted by them and I want to make myself feel more powerful. So I'm going to make them jump through a hoop. Yeah. There's a difference and they'll feel it. Um, yeah. And so I think that that's the, that's like the hard, yeah, that's just the fun and hard part of sales is like that nuance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a full, it's a world full of those nuances that you're trying to balance and you're trying to ebb and flow and be on the right side of. Um, and, and again, I think a community like the one that you're building, uh, can be super helpful to get, help us take that step back and, and help us understand the blind spots. Um, I know we're getting close on time. I've got one last question for you. Um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up and, and, uh, we could show people where, where to connect with you, but what's, is there, is there a book or, or books that you recommend to people that you find yourself rereading that changed your life, that you gift to people, anything like that, that, that comes to mind? Yeah, there's, there's three of them. Um, the first is a long walk to freedom. Mm. Mandela. You want to, you want to, get the felt experience of what it's like for someone that's very clear in their purpose and will never break that integrity. That's that. Mm. Right? Like, here's the purpose. Here's how I'm honest with it. Here's how I'm integrity with this. And I think that's, 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 that's a lot of sales. That's most sales. Um, the second, uh, there's a book, uh, endurance about Shackleton. Have you ever heard of this book? Yeah, I read it last year. So good. Yep. So another great book, again, about leadership and everything that is about, because leadership is fundamentally about, is sales is fundamentally about leadership, about that difference between the buyer and the seller. There's another book. I think it's the four pillars of trust. Oh, the, uh, the code, code of trust. It's written by uh, the code of trust. So it's written by Robin Dreek, and he's uh, he headed up counterintelligence for the FBI in the late 90s. And so the thesis of his book is basically like, okay, so my job is to get people that don't want to give me information to freely and willingly give me information. Well, how do I do that? No. And so it's about building trust. Like, how is trust actually built? And... Again, it's not directly related to sales and everything in that book is, is about sales or will affect sales. Um, and that book, that book really kind of like changed, changed my life because I started to see things from like, oh, well, why should somebody trust me? Just, just start there. Why should someone believe me? Can yeah. I actually help anybody? Right. Like I believe that, you know, there are answers to those and it's really, I found it really useful in my life to become really specific about what, when those are and, and honest with myself. So yeah, those, those would be the two, those would be the three books rather that I, that have had a, a large effect on me and, um, and like how I am and, 
and how I sell. That's great. Um, Chris, I know we're getting back uh, for time. Before I let you go, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people that will want to connect with you, follow in the show, learn more about you, maybe ask you some questions, uh, maybe learn more about Sales Subtle. What's the best place for folks to find you? Uh, the Sales Huddle website is joinsaleshuddle.com and folks can find me on LinkedIn. I believe my URL is Topher Williams. So it's linkedin.com forward slash IN that LinkedIn does and then, and then Topher Williams. And yeah, I love to talk with people. I love it when people want to join Sales Huddle. I love it when people don't want to join Sales Huddle. Um, it's, it's, uh, and I love like helping people out and listening and, um, I just love, I just love salespeople too. It's like the spirit of sales is just like so cool and fun. And most of the things that, that I think I want to have happen in the world. And I notice other people do too. Really the bottleneck of them is sales. It's like building trust building momentum to get folks to adopt something and that's the thing i think is is it gets me most excited about about sales is that it's about yeah it's about building trusted people and helping people find a a path to get something that they themselves want to to get to um that serves them better that their life is better off for doing that um so yeah that's why i just love talking about salespeople in general and then i love it open to if anyone has any questions about things I said or wants me to clarify um, or completely disagrees with what I said, or I said something that makes you super angry, I'd love to hear that too. Uh, <laughs> I've had that as well. And um, yeah. Haven't we all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. And I, 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 I've had some of my best relationships start both personally and professionally, speaking of honesty, where, you know, I'm saying something and someone finally is like, you know what, Chris, like, I think you could, you're a real asshole. And, I'm like, <laughs> and I'll respond and be like, you know, I appreciate your honesty, the courage it took to say that I can imagine it's not true. And I'd love to hear why. And they're so struck by like, wait, what? Like, I was like, yeah, I want to hear like your experience of why, of, of why you feel like I'm doing this. Like maybe there's something we can shift. And I've had so many great, uh, professional collaborations and friends start from that place of like someone's really has this feeling that they don't want to share with me. And then when they share it and it's received and it's like, yeah, great. Let's, 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 I want to know more about that. I want to know more about you. I want to address this. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, Chris, I, I love it. I, uh, I don't hate you, uh, from the conversation, (laughs) nothing pissed me off, but, um, People feel free to hit him up. Chris, I appreciate you being so generous with your time and and your insights this morning. Yeah, thank you, Tom. All right, thanks for checking out that episode. Um, Happy April, happy Q2 to everyone out there that's getting after it. Uh, Again, this podcast was brought to you by gong.io and postal.io. So great way to support me is to support our sponsors. Again, if you leave a review on Apple, I will send you a free Starbucks gift card uh, courtesy of Postal. So uh, shout out to the sponsors. Shout out to the guests today. Enjoy your day. Let's get after it. See you next time. Peace.